Hi, everybody. I'm Charlie Ekstrom of Stanford Beach Volleyball, and you're watching or listening to College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition. I'm Alana Rennie of University of Arizona Beach Volleyball, and you're watching or listening to College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition. Hi, I'm Kate Privet of TCU Beach Volleyball, and you're watching or listening to College Volleyball Weekly Beach Edition. You've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob Mike. Good day, everyone, and after a spring break hiatus, we are back for College Volleyball Weekly Beach Top 20, and with me on screen, as always, I'm going to start bottom this time, at least on my end, from TCU, Kate Privet. Upper right for me is Alana Rennie of Arizona, and of course, upper left, Charlie Ekstrom of Stanford. Ladies, good to see you again, and obviously, two weeks have transpired, and as always, a lot of news, but because I'm a male, I'm short memory. And I lost what happened in week five. I only can remember what happened in week six. So um, anything happened in the last two weeks that caught your guys' eyes? And let's start with you, Elena. Um, I think just a lot of the the mix around. And, you know, the you have every team that kind of has the typical, oh, yeah, they beat that team like that was expected. But there's just a lot of move around, I think, within the mid of the rankings. And I think it's really interesting to see. Um, I also can't remember a lot of specifics, but I think um, just lots of movements in the overall rankings and a lot of competitiveness between different teams beating each other. And it's it's sort of the March madness right now of beach volleyball in the middle of the season right now is just kind of like you never know who can beat who and change things up a bit. Yeah. March Madness, the April anxiety, because everyone's trying to get the higher seed in the conference tournament in NCAAs. Let's jump over to Kate of TCU. Um, I would say something that stuck out to me this week is um, UNF sweeping Pepperdine. I thought that was really cool. UNF is a really, they've always been a scrappy team. I played them a lot at Florida State, um, but seeing them beat Pepperdine, I feel like it showed that, you know, they're a team that can compete with other ranked teams. And they beat um, Stetson, too, and FGCU. So they they did really well, and they can compete with a lot of great teams. So UNF is – I have to give a shout-out to them this week. Good call. Charlie? Yeah, I think, honestly, like, I might be a little bit lacking in my long-term memory as well, Rob, similar to you. <laughs> I don't remember much of week five and that might also be because of a lot of quarter system schools ourselves, like myself included um, here at Stanford. A lot of us were idle due to it being finals week in week five for us. Um, so with that, with every, with a lot of teams being idle, I don't have a huge memory of what was going on that week, but this past week in week six, I feel like seeing a lot of people out on spring break, like, I feel like there was a little bit of like that chaos that came with just so many games and so many really exciting tournaments occurring. Um, I would agree with Kate on that UNF like had just this spectacular performance in week six. And uh, I'm excited. I think that we play them not this weekend, but next weekend when we go out to LSU. And so I'm really excited to face up against them um, because they're going to be a really fun team to play. And in general, I think that as we're nearing this end of season, we're starting, we're starting to see a little bit like a lineup solidifying, but also kind of like lineup mixing at the same time of where like we're starting to see teams change up with their original lineups we're looking like and starting to gear up 
for postseason and like you were saying like get those higher seeds and so I don't know I think that it was a fun weekend I had my eyes even though I wasn't there I still had my eyes on east versus west and I'm excited to talk about it more as we keep on going well before we jump into our topics which includes east west we got to go for the most obvious one sandy frog still perch atop both poles and um they're getting it done I was with Danny and Tanya 21 and one at the ones amazing record Maria Gonzalez, Haley Hamlet, 11-1 at the threes. Haley Brock and Rochelle Scott, 14-0 at fives. And our own Kate Privett, 22-2 when she's on the court at the twos, threes, and fours because they move her up and down the scales. What's uh, what's solidifying the lineup for the, the Sandy Frogs, even though you're shifting around technically playing at different spots, Kate? Um, I would say just having um, different partners. We're trying a few different partners and trying to figure out what works best and it's good to see us play with people we don't normally play with. So our coaches are trying to do that in some of the games too. So I feel like our lineup will start to solidify a little bit more these next few weeks as we enter the postseason. Now for the other athletes on the screen, I mean, is it a difficult transition or is this okay to go through the season? I mean, obviously it varies from squad to squad, but how about from your perspective, Elena? Of moving partnerships? Yeah. At this point, past the halfway point, but if we're knocking off the NCAA tournament, we're actually like two thirds away done with season. (laughs) Yeah. So I think our team is pretty used to it. Personally, we mix up partners every single day in practice, whether they've been our partner in in the games and not. I think it's it's a good strategy, but I think it does help sometimes to work with your partner if you've been more consistent with someone else to like build that connection and just like a natural flow of the game with each other so you can like learn how each other plays and how each other maybe likes the set or like there's different connections that you can build but I think um if you're able to mix it up throughout the season then that's good in case of injury or illness or just anything that happens then everyone's comfortable playing with other people yeah how about you Charlie Yeah, I think Alana said it really well there. And I also think looking at, I don't know, I think looking from a lot of different perspectives, like I think TCU's strength, a lot of their strength has come like from that mixing, but also they come in like very solid in their early flights. And it almost like releases the pressure valve off for some of the later flights that might get a little bit like more intense down to the wire. But then it's like, they get the job done. You look at like Danny and Tanya, they're 21 and one at the ones like you had mentioned, but then also Haley and Rochelle at fives are 14 and oh, like those are two, like on the far ends of the spectrum of the lineup and they're both getting the job done. So I think that TCU is doing a great job there, but then you look at other lineups that are really working or other schools that are really doing great things. And you see UCLA, they're really consistently mixing up their lineup. I know we're going through lineup mixing and I think it's tough in the moment, like to think about of like, Hey, we got to change up the mojo of like a partnership that might, you might have consistently been working with for weeks, but also at the same time, I think the nature of beach volleyball is that there's kind of a constant change between partnerships. And so if we're not able to adjust now, what does that look like pre and post college for us? Because we're all, when we were all juniors, we all played with different partners here and there. I mean, Kate and I, back in the day, we played together when we were about 16 years old. Um, and now we're playing for different schools. And I think that there's like this friendly familiarity with constantly being comfortable with change. And so I think the strongest schools are seeing that their players are having a lot of comfort with a lot of changes. 
Yeah. Well, I'm actually looking because I know that uh, Atlanta's having a pretty kicking season right now. 17 and three, but you've been with Grace Cook the entire time. So, I mean, obviously the familiarity is great for you. And I think you're probably the leading squad at the threes or at least winning percentage wise for Arizona at this point. Um, yeah, I think so. And Grace and I actually played at the same club um, in juniors. So kind of bringing it back to the juniors days with that that pairing but yeah it's fun <laughs> so let's look at the uh, tail end of the poll here i'm looking at both the avca and the collegebeachvolleyball.com poll and they're they're pretty similar in that the only difference is in one of them arizona's dropped out arizona's at tied at 20 but it's any variation between pepperdine stetson unf uh tulane and we'll call south south carolina there at the 16th spot um a lot of movement there and i feel like there's only a few votes two, three at most, that can be the decider when it comes to those at-large bids at the tail end, because you're looking at 17 of the top teams, you know, the automatics are nine, and then you're looking at seven more that could be punching in for that last at-large bid. But what kind of competition should we expect to see in the tail end here with the teams that are looking for that, that bubble entry in? And we'll start with you, Charlie. I think there is that added pressure for a lot of teams because of the fact that everybody is vying for these eight at large spots as opposed to I mean everybody's also vying for a conference bid but I think that the eyes are going on those at large spots at the end of the day because we have a lot of powerhouse conferences I mean you look at CCSA you look at Pac-12 those are two historic conferences Conference USA a third historic conference that obviously sends like more than one pair to NCAAs usually three maybe even four pairs dependent on the year and so Will those conferences swoop up all the at-large bids again? Will they? Where the, will there be more mixing? I think that like the eyes are on this postseason um, for who's going to be able to swoop up the end of those bids. I mean, last year we saw. I feel like um, I want to say it was Cal Poly were the ones who ended up winning Big West, and that was kind of their ticket that they punched their ticket in with the conference bid, and then that ended up knocking out Long Beach State in the end of it. Because I was pretty confident that Long Beach we were going to see Long Beach State at Gulf Shores last year, and we didn't. And I still stand by the fact that I think that they might have gotten robbed a little bit, but at the end of the day, they didn't perform in their conference tournament. That last pressure was on, and Cal Poly performed. So therefore, Cal Poly executed, and they got the bid instead of Long Beach State. Um, and as a result, I mean, again, like the conf- the conference pressure kind of comes and then the outside, like all teams are looking to win the games that they're supposed to and not lose any that they aren't supposed to. So let's jump over to Kate. Thoughts on that, that tail end of the poll, those teams and that last, uh, we'll say last uh, punch to get in. I think it's hard to judge that um, that poll because none of the teams like Arizona doesn't get to play some of these other teams. So it's hard to really judge who should be where um, like Arizona wouldn't get to play UNF or necessarily none of them all get to play each other. So it's hard to get a clear ranking. So I think um, it's just going to come down to these last few weeks, which teams are able to get um, big wins and hopefully get some upsets. And I feel like to get back to get those poll spots at the, at the 18, 19, 20, you have to have some upsets of higher ranked teams in order to really get in there and solidify your position. So I'd say that's probably the, the hardest part of um, being in that, in that spot, you have to go, you have to be upset some teams in order to solidify your position. Yeah. 
And then Alana, you're actually in it right now. <laughs> you don't have to reveal what's exactly going on in your locker room, but I mean, you're you're right there experiencing. Okay, this is where we're at, and this has to. This is what has to happen. Um, what's your take? Yeah, I totally agree with Kate. Like, it's unfortunate that we don't get to play these teams that we're basically up against in the rankings. Because um, I would love to go head to head with them, and you know, see um, who can come out on top and really like prove those rankings to be true. Um, but it is important for us, like, you know, it's a dog fight every single week to, in order to prove our, our ranking and our belonging in the, in the top 20 by just beating who we're supposed to be and not losing to who we're not supposed to lose to. So I think it's just really important. Every single match is important when it comes to rankings. And, um, even though we don't get to play those teams that we, um, are in line with, um, I guess, except, um, looking at the top five teams in the bottom of the rankings we've played pepper to beat them but you know they're coming up with some more impressive wins than we have recently so like looking at it like that like they're probably just slightly ahead of us but with this uh competition schedule upcoming um we should hopefully get back in there but we'll have to we got some stuff to prove so yeah (laughs) well the other uh, news item or one of the uh, bullet points i was going to focus on was the Hawaiian punch pair of Brooke Van Sickle and Kayla Glago. Um, I was shocked when I was looking at the mover ratings of the players. I thought, oh, sure, it's got to be Danny and Tanya at the top because they're, you know, they've only got one loss. They've been beating teams pretty handily, but it's Brooke Van Sickle and Kayla Glago. Um, have you guys seen them play? And what are your thoughts on their style of play and their success so far? And let's start with you, Elena. Um, I have not seen them play this year. We actually go to Hawaii next week um, and we'll play them twice. Uh, over the weekend and so I'm really excited too even though I did play Brooke Van Sokol last year you know she's always been really impressive and just has such a heavy arm and is just I think I feel like she she seems like an easy um, person to play with so I feel like she's able to lift up her partners and make them better um, as a whole but uh, no I'm excited to see them play next week. Yep. How about you Kate? I don't think I've ever seen that pair that pair play um, but I've heard I've heard Brooke Van Sickle is just a great player. Like Elena said, a super heavy arm. She can get up and really hit the ball. So I hope I get to see them at some point, but maybe nationals would be the only time, but because yeah, we won't be seeing each other, but I've heard really good things about them. All right. Then let's uh, close out with uh, Charlie, which I know has uh, had experienced her not only as a opponent, but as a teammate. (laughs) Yes. No, I know Brooke fairly well. I know this team decently well um, with more familiarity with Brooke than with Kaylee with the factor of Brooke was my partner uh, for USA camp a couple years ago. And so I've experienced firsthand from being side by side with her and playing against her just how hard she hits. I think that she made me laugh with how hard with how high she bounced a ball when we played against each other this year. But Brooke was paired up with Jamie Santer at the beginning of season. So I didn't actually get to see this pair. Um, play at the beginning of season I actually was going to say Rob like to your note I was a little bit surprised looking at the top of the mover rankings with um, seeing that Brooke and Kaylee were at the top above Danny and Tanya not anything against Brooke and Kaylee they're a phenomenal pair I saw them a lot in fall as well and they were just really solid in fall like they had an unfortunate early end in the Huntsville Pairs Championship Tournament but they're a really incredible pair and they've got a lot of consistency together Brooke has the wisdom of having a couple years <laughs> beyond her original four years. And she's 
just got a lot of wisdom to her game. She started out on the indoor side and then had a couple extra years to add on for beach with a couple of red shirts plus a COVID shirt. Um, and Kaylee's got this experience that kind of like extends beyond her years. Like she almost seems like a grad student, even though she isn't. And she, they both just together, they flow really nicely. I think like you pair like Kaylee's finesse with Brooke's power and it just works very well. But again, they don't have as many games as some of these other ones pairs together. So I was a little bit surprised to see them at top of mover over Danny and Tanya. Yeah, all good calls. I wanted to talk about one of the teams that's uh, been moving up and uh, Tulane. And I don't know a whole bunch about it because not a whole lot of media, but they did upset number 11, Washington 3-2, but they did lose to number nine, Cal 3-2. So I guess uh, the voters are looking, hey, that's a great win, but it's a good loss if there's a good loss. Uh, do any of you know a whole bunch about Tulane? No. Okay. Let's go. Charlie. Does, I, well, I was actually going to say, we just played them today. Um, <laughs> so I got to experience Tulane firsthand. They're really great competitors. We ended up edging ahead of them for one today. Um, but Tulane's super scrappy. They took two of our pairs to three. They obviously they beat one of our other pairs and they did not go down without a fight. So I was very impressed by Tulane's fight. That's my first time. I want to say that I've ever played against Tulane or seen their matchup. I have like there's some familiar faces that I know from juniors that are on the team and they had a couple great transfers with Molly Eberton coming from USC. She's paired up with a fellow. She's originally from the Bay Area and is now paired up with a fellow Bay Area native Kendall Peters. They're playing the ones and they're doing some pretty good things. And honestly, in general, like Tulane is a very scrappy team and they don't let a lot of points go easy. And so I could see why they'd be a team that's causes some pretty scrappy upsets. I mean, going three, two with Cal is a big I mean, it sucks to lose, but that's a really good game as well. And then beating UW, who's a phenomenal team this season, beating them 3-2 is a huge win. So, I mean, I don't know where Tulane should fall in the rankings, but it might need to be a little bit higher than they are right now. Yeah. Well, the other team that was the big mover this week was FIU, and their uh, marquee win was against number eight, Hawaii. Um, But they had losses to number two, USC, number four, UCLA, number seven, LMU number 10, Stanford, and number 12, Long Beach State. So any of you guys know a whole bunch about FIU? I saw them for the first time in person. I was impressed when you guys compete against them and have seen probably their players over your entire career since you guys are all, for lack of a better term, upper-class people. <laughs> so, um, who wants to take a stab at FIU? Um, I can. We've already played them twice this season, and one of the times um, we played them, it was 3-2. It was really close there. They're always a good team. She, Rita, she changes the lineup pretty much every single game. So it's really hard to know what you're going to get. But obviously the players are pretty well at adapting to the lineup changes. And that's really awesome that they pulled out a win against Hawaii. And they're a team you always have to watch out for. I feel like they they get sneaky. They have like some sneaky upsets every year. They One year at FSU, they um, they upset us and at home. And I remember that was like, a big deal. And that was a really good upset set for them. So I feel like they're a team that you ha- always have to keep, keep your foot on the gas when you're playing against them. Yep. Anyone else want to add into the FIU assessment? I think just adding from our matchup against them this last week, that was the first time similar to how this was the first time that we'd ever played against Tulane. This is the first time that we've ever matched up against FIU in my career here at Stanford. And 
I mean, they were good competitors. I think we played wind, the wind a little bit stronger than they did. And so again, we were able to take a pretty solid win against them, but they did not, again, they didn't go down without a fight. I mean, they're, they took us for one, they battled on every court. And I mean, I don't know. I think FIU, like Kate was saying, like, it was like, I had to scout like three different teams when we were watching film because and it was like a combo of like three different pairs is who we ended up matching up against. Like you never really know what to expect out of their lineup. And almost like, it's like looking at film, like it's almost like it's not totally valuable unless you have some sort of semblance and like get lucky with your scout um, because they're mixing it up a lot. And they all, all of their players have a lot of comfort. They've got a lot of internationals and they bring a lot of talent from there. Yeah. Well, I have to say one of the things I did enjoy about this last week was seeing Giada Bianchi play uh, with uh, Rachelle Mancinelli against you and Maya Harvey at the twos. And Giada was a really physical blocker. She has a strong arm. I mean, when she hits, she's getting a good pop off of it. But seeing you go up against her at the net was, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm being objective here. I'm evaluating players and teams, but Charlie's on the other side. So... <laughs> it was fun again wind game huge wind game and my serve ended up edging ahead of them a couple more times than I think they would have liked and uh Giada was an amazing blocker I was very impressed there were not a lot of balls that she let get past her and luckily we were really focused on covering that game because if we weren't focused on covering I don't think we would have been able to have put as many balls away as we ended up doing because she was patrolling the net very well yeah, and they do have some other pieces, and that's one team that I wouldn't want to see in the NCAA tournament because they have upset potential written all over them. So just because they're so big and physical, you know, I was surprised they they had some other teams on the bench or you know rooting them. I'm like, okay, she's six three, she's six four. Oh, she's got to at least be six five. <laughs> so uh, I'm wondering what they're going to come out with come uh, the end of the postseason here with conference play. Uh, conference tournament play and the NCAA is assuming they get in. Let's jump into our top 10 teams here. And, um, you know, the topic that sent out was uh, Florida State Sizzle. Who wants to take the first step at Florida State, what they saw from these last week or two weeks of the Seminoles? Um, oh, Evan's frozen there. Oh, I can, I can do it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Double agent. Double agent. Um, yeah, but they look good. They upset UCLA. We saw that they had a, tight loss to USC so I thought they were I was watching the scores of that USC game I thought that they had it it from the scores it looked like they they had USC but USC snuck back in and won 3-2 which which is um, a good loss and a good um, learning experience and then yeah they also did well I think did we talk about the Gulf Shores tournament yet we did not. We oh, skipped. They <laughs> also did well at the Gulf Shores tournament. I think they lost, or they You're lost. You're referring to the March to May. That one. The March to May. They lost to UCLA three two that tournament. So they've had a lot of tight games, but they seem to be playing really well. They have a different lineup from when we played them. So, yeah, they look good though. Anyone else want to chime in? I couldn't agree more. I was watching those scores of East versus West and I totally forgot that March to May was during week five. Like that was one that like went over my head in memory there. Uh, but looking at scores from this last week and I was definitely watching the live stats pretty intently from the airport um, of the USC FSU and the UCLA FSU games. And 
that's a huge win over UCLA. That's kind of on home sand. And so that was a huge one for FSU. I also, Kate, thought that FSU was going to edge ahead of USC. Like, I really thought that they had that. And so USC pulled a late comeback win, and that was huge for USC, but also really awesome battle out of FSU. And so, I mean, that little shuffling of the top four was like a well-understood shuffle of the top four, just because of the fact that FSU came out guns a blazing this weekend. Yeah. Alana, anything else to add there? Um, Not really. I think you guys kind of nailed it. I also am like, I'm sort of out of the loop a little bit when it comes to watching games like this. I just have a lot going on, but um, like, I know recently I've talked about like our team posting in the group chat, like, Oh, score updates and stuff. And this was definitely one of them. Um, We kept posting the or just texting in the group chat, the updates of each score and just wondering who was going to take it. And, you know, FSU fell just short to USC, but, you know, it just shows you how good the top couple teams are. Yeah. So we're, we'll kind of jump back and forth here because I was looking at the top five-ish, top 10-ish, but you know, with East meets West, you had eight teams, four from the West, four from the East. And uh, I was on the MC host, Mike, for that one. And I'll tell you, it was intense because the way they had it scheduled, it was a staggered start, three courts for one pool, three for the other. And uh, you know, they're going two fours in the exhibition and the one three fives. Well, UCLA was paired up against LSU, USC, and Florida State. And at the end of each one, there are one one. And as I'm calling the scores as a second wave of flights begin, it's like two one, two two. Going down to court number one, <laughs> dual deciding point. Oh, we're on dual or dual clinching point number five, you know, and it was just neck and neck. It could have fallen either way, but you just see the points dropping so fast. And it's made me realize how evenly matched all those, the top five, we'll say even up to the top seven were. And it could have gone either way because there were upsets that weekend. And, you know, obviously Florida State with a big win over UCLA. And then you had um, Hawaii being upset by FIU. I mean, it just was craziness. And FIU was at the time 16. So um, let's talk about the talent there in that top 16 and particularly at the East meets West. What were you guys seeing and what were your observations based on the results and the scores and anything about the pairs that you saw that were that were happening based on your standpoint? So um, who feels comfortable jumping in right off the bat there? I can start. I think, yeah, just literally anything can happen. I think I love those big tournaments and seeing what happens and and who takes the cake on some of those games and everything is a nail biter, which makes beach volleyball just so much more fun to watch and to follow. And I think that also helps grow the sport just in general, knowing how competitive it is. Um, But I did want to give a shout out to the Ferrari twins of Georgia State as they beat uh, you. USC's ones and UCLA's ones, uh, those are really good teams. And I think they beat both of them, almost very similar scores in, in all the games. But I think both of the games came down to the third set and they they took them 15-13. So I think um, seeing those, they're always a fun pair to watch. Um, really yeah. fiery players and you can kind of just, you just know that they're sisters watching them play. Um, so they're, they're very fun to watch, but um, it's it's fun to see the uh some of the top pairs in general not just teams but pairs get um mixed up a little bit in the shuffle 
Well, to your point, Alana, I'll have to say, if you look at the scoring patterns of their wins, they lost the first set both times, 21-13. They must have yelled at each other at that intermission because they ended up taking the second set, 21-17 or 21-18, and they yelled at each other some more and pushed each other to the top, 15-13 wins in the third set against both those teams. So the sister combo did work for uh, Georgia State, but I'll have to say, it was so entertaining to watch the few points I could because I was working so many courts because you know, they're five, four, five, five on a good hair day. And you see them going up the block pull, or they'll go up and block getting maybe their forearm above the net and still psyching teams out. They can get the dig and run a good transition play. So, you know, they cover a lot of court for uh, the hype challenge that they have uh, when it comes to uh, going up against bigger teams. So uh, Charlie, you have something to say? <clears throat> Yeah, I think looking at it, I mean, Elena, I was going to totally mention the Ferrari twins too, because that's so impressive. And especially we had kind of talked about this all before is that their first day at East versus West was not their strongest of days. They went 0 4 They didn't pick up a set against LMU or Hawaii, but then they turned it around and beat two pairs that I think normally we might've expected that to almost like be a flip because historically USC and UCLA have some powerhouse once pairs and they this year still have some powerhouse once pairs. So those are huge wins to pick up for the Ferrari twins. Um, but looking at the East versus West more specifically, I was looking at kind of this like upset triangle between FIU, Hawaii and LSU. Cause I think something that we've almost like skipped over is the fact that yes, FIU upset Hawaii, but Hawaii upset LSU. And that was a huge upset. And I know that like, like Lana was saying about like group chats blowing up, my group chat was for sure blowing up with our team when that Hawaii upset at LSU happened, especially because it was immediately following Hawaii getting upset by FIU. And it's like, we had just come from playing FIU the day before and so all of us were kind of like whoa this is something that's absolutely crazy that's going on and having that kind of upset triangle I was almost surprised to kind of like see the like um rankings come out and see that there wasn't that much change but then again you look and it's like LSU beat LMU at number seven so can they drop below Hawaii because LMU has beat Hawaii like it's kind of that whole like dance in the and the layout and in the format of the rankings, because it's like these upsets have happened. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the postseason and it goes back to the arguments that coaches propose for why they deserve a wildcard bid. And it's like these teams deserve wildcard bids for X, Y, Z. And a lot of them come to these upsets of these top five to top 10 schools. Yeah. Kate, did you have something to add on there? I saw you uh, rallying your screen, your quadrant here. So oh, I was. <laughs> I was also going to talk about the LSU Hawaii. I think that was a really good win for Hawaii um, over LSU. LSU is always a strong team and they were ranked higher. Like Charlie said, it's hard to make movements when then LSU beats LMU. So it doesn't right now, the rankings don't matter. They, they'll matter more at the end. So we'll see how they, how they end up when it, when it matters. Well, knowing a Russell Brock coach team, it's like you have a bunch of like no names coming out on the court that he's able to coach them up to this top eight level, which is insane because I know some of those girls are purely indoor and just maybe playing less than nine months on the sand. Like someone named, ooh, Taryn Cloth, who's in second in the race for an Olympic you know, qualification right now. Uh, they're super gifted. And what he's doing there at LSU is, is a, a huge statement on uh, the development of the players at that program. Um, 
gosh, I didn't know where to go from there because there was just so much going on that weekend. Um, one of the pairs that did stick out for me, and the only reason why is because the way I had to position myself was I had to sit between the one and three pairs going on at the same time to call both matches. But Jordan Polo and uh, Anna Long. And Anna Long was on my preseason watch list. And my gosh, she was phenomenal. Or both were really phenomenal. I know uh, Charlie's had experience with Jordan uh, when she was at Cal. But I know, Kate, you had some experience with her last year. And Atlanta, I know you played against her at least a, a couple times. I think she was in the twos and threes at one point. I, I'm trying to remember, go off the top of my head. But uh, they ended up getting CCSA Pair of the Week, as a matter of fact. So, uh what do you guys know about Jordan Polo and Anna Long? I want to start with you, Kate. <laughs> I know a lot about Jordan and Anna. I actually played with Anna last year, and she's such a great athlete. She's tall and she's really long, but she's also super fast, jumps really high. So it's hard when you play a blocker that's that physical too. Um, and she was a freshman last year. I feel like she's gotten even better this year, just getting more college experience. Her and Jordan seem, they also played together last year some, so it's probably cool for them to keep that partnership going a little bit. They have a lot of experience together, but Jordan's such a smart defender. Um, she reads the court super well, and Anna's a big blocker, so they complement each other really nicely, and they're definitely a pair to watch out for. All right, Atlanta, any thoughts on that pair, the CCSA pair of the week from Florida State? Um, yeah, I played Jordan in Alabama in the fall with um, uh, Maddie Anderson, and I think she's just a really consistent player. Uh, she knows the court, sees the court really well, has great volleyball IQ, um, is really impressive. And, you know, I haven't seen her much this year uh, since Alabama, but obviously she's doing good and um, seems to have good connection and um uh, yeah, just connection with her partner, Anna, that I, I've never played against her or seen her, so, but they seem to be doing good. Yep. How about you, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I know Jordan very well from Berkeley, from playing against her a lot when she was at Berkeley, playing against her a little bit in juniors. We've tried to get on the same side of the net a couple of times with both of us going back and forth with having some health concerns that have prevented us, unfortunately, from last, like very been last minute, like cancellations. Um, but I have nothing but respect for her as a player. She's an incredible player and she's added so much depth that FSU already had depth, but she's also added even more depth to their lineup and their program. Um, and the only experience that I have of watching Anna is actually watching Anna with you, Kate, last year. And so I am very impressed by this pair. I think that, again, it's like that really cool pairing of like a very like steady, like consistent player with Jordan and seeing like a very aggressive, like dynamic player with Anna. And so, I mean, those partnerships, you see like a lot of these conference pair of the weeks and a lot of the best teams in the nation are really that like steady combined with a really dynamic. And it's, it's a nice pair. It's a nice little yin and yang kind of combo. Look at you, yin and yanging all philosophical now. <laughs> <laughs> well, one team that's flown under the radar, and I'm surprised none of us have said anything about this team, but UCLA's four pairs of Riley Powers and Haley Holgren, they are 23-0 and 0 right now. <laughs> they went 4-0 on the weekend. And I'm like, how did we not see this? Um, I mean, they've been so strong. And Haley Holgren obviously is... I mean, she came back from a pretty major procedure. She's only got, she's lost half a lung. 
and she's come back from playing indoor at Michigan, but she has got so much power on her jump serve and is such a big hitter. Yeah, you know, I didn't see that in her when she's at USC playing with uh, Haley Harward, but man, that year and a half, it made a big difference because she is so strong. But I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on both of those athletes. And let's start with you, Elena. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think they have gone under the radar, um, probably because they're at the fours pair. I think, you know, we know that every pair matters, but unfortunately, um, the lower the pair, the the less media time, I guess, is what I'll say. Um, but, you know, we know that both of these people have always been good and consistent and props to Haley Hallgren for coming back after, you know, her procedure and her her um, her health concerns and stuff. And also props to her from going to her, um, her old rival, um, school. So that's takes a lot, takes a lot to do that. I don't think I could ever do that, but, um, and Riley's always been consistent in the lower pairs. You know, it's good to have that consistency that you can rely on, um, as a team member. So I think having a good lower seated pair on your team is really is really nice just for everyone because they're reliable and you know when they when they play they're going to do great things and they're they're fun to watch too yeah how about you kate thoughts on riley powers and Haley holgren i agree they they have flown under the radar but obviously they're undefeated and they've beat a lot of great teams so it's really cool it's ucla probably really likes having a pair that they can count on pretty much up to this point every single time. So yeah, that's an awesome pair. I'm excited to keep watching them throughout the season, see if they remain undefeated. That's hard to do. Um, I think the last team that did that was Kristen and Taryn. So, hey, they're on the right track. Who knows what can happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's another mind-blowing stat. Riley Powers has only dropped four sets this season. I know she's been paired with Nellie Miskowski in one duel, but the rest of the way it's been with Haley. So uh, that's amazing. But Charlie, thoughts on that pair? No, again, I mean, I'll echo, they are way underrated. And I can't believe that they've gone so underrated because UCLA has been at such the forefront of a lot of discussion. And they're phenomenal. I mean, I love Riley. She like just brings this really cool energy to the court. I've practiced and trained with her a bunch. She's just an incredible human being on top of being an incredible volleyball player. And I think that looking at all the good that she brings and kind of like her wisdom of the UCLA game, bringing it to Haley, who's like, while Haley's a very experienced volleyball player and beach volleyball player, she's still like new to UCLA and also new to coming back with her with her new lungs with her new like post indoor career um and just they run a different system than USC and I think that UCLA versus USC you see a lot of power out of USC and you see a lot of like the very finessed game out of UCLA and so I think Riley bringing kind of that wisdom into Haley's just absolute dynamicism that comes out of her serve and out of her power. Um, I think that they harness just a lot of good in each other. I got to see them. I think they were at fives when we played against them in Hawaii and we'll get a chance to see UCLA on Friday. And so I'm hopeful that maybe my fours will be able to do some damage against them. But at the same time, like they're doing incredible things and clearly they're a pretty solid staple for that UCLA lineup. Yeah, all good calls. The other uh, pair that really stuck out this weekend for USC was uh, the st- at the threes, Maddie White, Maddie Shields, and the Norses at the twos. We ended up getting, I believe, the ABCA pair of the week and Pac-12 pair of the week. Is that right? 
AVCA is Ainsley Raydell and oh, sorry. Delgado. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to steal the props from that. That's another good pair, even though they're your sworn enemies when you're on the court, right, Charlie? Absolutely. But they're amazing. <laughs> the school that shall not be named is that you're supposed to refer to that as a Stanford student. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, while while we're on that, let's look at this. So the A Sun pair of the week, Chantel McMillan, Hayden Woldridge of uh, North Florida, Ospreys. Is that right? Is that the uh, mascot for UNF? Love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Big West, Brooke Van Sickle, Kaylee Glago, Hawaii, CCS pair, we, uh, CCSA, obviously, Anna Long and Jordan Polo of F- FSU. Conference USA, Kendall Peters, Molly Eberton from Tulane. There you go. Ohio Valley, Camry Lucas and Olivia O'Keefe of UT Martin. Pac-12 were the Norse Twins. WCC, Chloe Hooker and Isabel Reffel of LMU. Southland, Maddie Butters and Allison Stanfield of Houston Christian or HCU and the Sun Belt was Bree Haggerty and Ashley Thompson of UNC Wilmington. Um, I wanted to jump into what we're going to be watching this week. And I know what Charlie and Alana are going to be watching. And I'm going to have you guys go first because you guys could end up like, are you guys, I don't, I didn't get a look of the whole, uh, I guess, pools, who's going to be there or the bracket of who's going to be at the Pac-12 North this weekend. So why don't you start, Charlie, since you're hosting, and then Atlanta can chirp in after that. 9 a.m. Friday morning, I will be seeing Atlanta <laughs> up close and personal. We match up against U of A at 9 a.m. on Friday morning at Stanford. I'm excited because we're using like two different pieces of our facilities. We're using our main stadium as well as one of our side facilities. That's like the original Stanford Beach Volleyball facility um, that's older and less used, but it's all like tuned up for this Pac-12 North tournament. And we're really excited. All the Pac-12 schools will be around. We have four matchups. I think everybody has four matchups. So we don't see, I think it's the four that you didn't match up against in the South tournament you match up against in this North tournament here. And so I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a very fun week. We've got beach volleyball, good vibes are in the air for Stanford, like just as a community. And so I'm excited that we get to host it's a good like queue up because we'll be hosting the Pac-12 championship tournament as well this year. Um, I'm excited to see Atlanta, <laughs> not necessarily excited for us to match up against each other, but excited to see you as always. And I think it'll just be a weekend of really good beach volleyball. Well, so, you know, one of the pieces of information I didn't know about was, so you're matching up against the four teams that you didn't play against in the Pac-12 South. Who are those four that, that Stanford's going up against? We will be matching up against U of A and UCLA on Friday, and then we will we will be matching up against Oregon and Cal on Saturday. So another rivalry. That Cal match is going to be uh, interesting. That's, yeah, that's going to be a big one for us for sure. Yeah. We're we're looking for a little bit of a revenge moment. Um, we get them on our home soil this time. They got us on their home soil this year. <laughs> So hopefully we can do the same to them, but it's going to be a very good matchup and it's going to be a very good cap off to the weekend for sure. All right, Elena. So are you uh, facing off against different teams? And I, I, like I said, I, I didn't know that this was how the PAC 12 conference uh, tournament or PAC 12 North and South work, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah so PAC 12 South only played three teams um, or yeah, three teams. Um, it would have been four if we played ASU, but we usually just play them midweek or on each other's senior nights is usually how it goes. But um, this weekend we are playing Utah, Stanford, USC, and UCLA. So big games. We're really excited to play some some 
higher ranked teams and try and get our ranking back uh, for sure. And then, you know, Utah is, is definitely coming, coming in. They have a really good ones pair and they're, they're getting a lot deeper throughout the seasons. Um, and so really excited to play them. We, we call your, your little separate area of courts, the dust bowl. Um, oh, we called them the bowl. We called okay, them the just the bowl. All right. But it's like, so, it's by the graduate school business. So we call them the, like GSB bowl courts. As okay. well. Yeah. I think we played there last year too. So we, we had a couple matches in those courts as well. So, but yeah, excited. So with that, this weekend here, I should put Kate on the spot and have her pick who's going to win between Stanford and Arizona, but I'm not going to do that. That's what we do in my other podcast with the men's all the coaches play each other like, Hey, Rob seems going to lose this week. You know, just, oh, that's you know. funny. <laughs> that's funny. so Kate, I know that you're not part of the Pac-12 North this weekend, but what are you going to be watching this weekend or this I'm gonna week? Be, I'm going to be watching the Pac-12 North. I think that sounds like the most, the tournament with the most, um, the most excitement and the most teams that there could be upsets and close matches you know we're seeing Cal I'm excited to see Cal and Stanford again I'm excited to see Arizona get to um, play USC and UCLA and and play Stanford like Elena said that could be another room for upsets and I'm just excited to follow that tournament there'll be a lot of good good matchups well I'm gonna call yours out here unconquered invitational Southern Miss Florida State oh no actually not your former one your former school sorry <laughs> fans but that one has fsu lsu lmu and florida atlantic coming off of a idle week um the big week to make moves for fau but uh lsu fsu coming off this uh meets me east meets west kind of had a hard time doing that this weekend too um i expect there's gonna be a pretty good brawl between those two teams again because lsu is obviously getting better florida state is strong but can't sleep on those sandy tigers and then um, the other one that's kind of on the the tier or the uh, low the back end of the polls are going to be Georgia State digging duels is what it's called South Carolina, UAB Stetson Georgia State and UT Martin. Um, obviously, they're going to want to keep winning or if they want to stay in that uh, NCAA championship contention, that's going to be a big one for those teams because three of the four are in contention. Then you got the Osprey Invitational. University of North Florida making a punch this last week and going strong and pushing into the top 20. I believe it's their highest ranking uh, in program history. I'll have to check that. Um, but also they will have FIU there. And uh, that should be interesting because FIU, the biggest mover of the week, going up to 14, 13, depending on which poll you're looking at. So um, with that, uh, you guys are facing each other. What's TCU doing this week? I'm looking here and I, I did. Oh, we're playing at home. We're playing Florida Gulf Coast, uh, Corpus Christi, HCU, and I think that's it. Okay. Well, it's uh, and that's being hosted on your campus, correct? Mm -hmm. And then Pac 12 North is on Pac 12 now or Pac 12 networks. Do One we know? One what? of the Pac-12s. <laughs> I know it's on TV. Yeah. Because all of our games were moved up by an hour for TV scheduling purposes. So I know that it's on TV. I don't know which yeah. network, but I or I know it's Pac-12 in some scope, but I don't know which Pac-12. <laughs> right, right. 
Now, are there, is there any other news that I missed out on this? Like, I know that I kind of went through it quickly, and I know we're coming up in our time. We went 45 minutes instead of the 30, but uh, I guess that's a good thing because we got a lot to talk about. Um, I actually want to pose this to you guys. So it literally is two weeks of the regular season here and then conference tournament. What's the vibe in all of your, I guess, locker rooms, so to speak, or on your, your stands, we'll say? Um, Kate, go for it. Um, our, our vibe, we haven't really changed much. I think once we get to the actual postseason of conference and nationals, well, it'll change a little bit more, but we're kind of just focusing on every weekend and trying not to think too far into the future. So once, once conference comes around, I'm sure we'll get a little bit more, a little bit no, more nervous and excited and jittery and all that so yeah we'll see what happens then <laughs> Alana how about in the Arizona locker room or beach or is it bear down beach <laughs> bear down beach yeah there it is um no our locker room we're pretty 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 positive um uh April is a lot of travel for us um so that's going to be a little bit of a challenge but we are going to Hawaii next week so everyone's pretty pumped about that able to take the whole team which is really we're really grateful for that also um, but yeah, just every week taking it as a challenge, taking it as an opportunity to get better and a chance to um, prove ourselves and better and go rise in the rankings and things like that. So we're pretty, pretty pumped to keep the season going and hopefully we can extend it even farther this year. Yeah, I was trying to hashtag more Atlanta Rennie to see if I can get that trending because you've been killing it with that, uh, that record. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Charlie? Yeah, I think I'm really excited. And I think the vibe with us is that we're really, really in nose to the grindstone mode. We're just looking forward, but also very much like body in the present. And so it's like, I think a big motto that we always follow is like, be where your feet are because of the fact that if we get too caught up on what's to come, then we're not going to be able to focus on what's in the present. And so I think that that's kind of where we're at for now is that we're focusing on what's in the present because we have so much stuff going on, but kind of flip with what Alana was saying. We're really grateful. I mean, we travel next week, but that's the only week in April that we travel. This is the first time that we aren't traveling for games of season so far this week, like where we have a full week at home. And so I'm really excited to not be on a plane <laughs> um, this week. And in general, just excited to be able to show what we're made of on our own home stand this time for this month. I mean, I know that we go to LSU next week, so that's not really the full month, but at the end of the day, it's enough of the month to where it matters. So, yeah. Well, episode six of College Volleyball Weekly, that is a wrap. That's Charlie Ekstrom of Stanford, Alana Rennie of Arizona, and Kate Privet of TCU. Good luck, ladies, this week. Looking forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter.